Good day and thanks so much for all of you out there joining us. I know we're all dealing with something similar right now, and that is, of course, the pandemic. Uh, here to shine more light on that, but from a completely different perspective, we're talking about checking on your friends in healthcare. All the people who are donning the cape and the mask and the gloves and doing everything they can to make sure we're well. Here to help us out with that is Dr. Jabron Pasha, a Tulsa native, also an internal medicine physician and associate professor of medicine and assistant dean of student affairs for Oklahoma University School of Community Medicine. He also serves on several nonprofit boards and is an international speaker on implicit bias and social determinants on health. What's up, Jabron? How you doing? What's going on, Frank? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Oh, man, thanks so much for joining me. Um, you know, I, I, I think this started over a Facebook chat that we went back and forth on. Then it, it slid to text messages because you wrote a column in the Tulsa world, right? And it was about checking on your friends and health care. I mean, it begs the obvious question, what prompted this? Because I know you've had several conversations with your colleagues, but it clearly got to a point that you felt like something needed to be said. Yeah, for sure, Frank. I think the first thing that kind of prompted it is just my own experiences with the pandemic and the stresses and the struggles that have come with it. But then the conversations that I've had with many of my colleagues who've had even um, harsher experiences um, just because of the, the nature of their health care um, that they provide being in the emergency department or being an intensive care specialist. Uh, it, it, this has been really, really hard on all of us, um, some more than others, for sure. And I just feel like we've been uh, tasked with a job that almost seems impossible. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing early on in the pandemic when there were so many questions to be answered. And, and, and at that point, I think, you know, this is the job we signed up for. You know, we, we signed up to be the ones that stand out front when we have something like this, like the pandemic. But my feelings have changed because I think what we're expected to do now is just, it's not what we signed up for. And a lot of that has to do with the politicization of this pandemic and taking care of people that have made it almost impossible to take care of them and seeing people die literally right in front of our eyes when we know what could have been done to, to save them. It, it's just, uh, it, it has weighed on, on all of us across the world, um, uh, but definitely here in this country as well. To, to further put the, this into perspective, Gibran, uh, I was checking out a very public post on your page, right? And somebody said, thank you, Gibran, for eloquently stating how we all feel. I had a patient tell me she was in the ICU for a month due to COVID intubated and on a ventilator. She told me she coded. For folks out there who don't know, what does coding mean, Jabron? Her heart stopped, she was dead. She was dead, she coded, and then was brought back. This post goes on to say, she still refused the vaccine. I recommended and offered her in her clinic that day saying she would never trust nor quote, touch that stuff. This person posted, what will it take? These are the types of situations you're dealing with. And you mentioned the oath of obligation that you all took when it, it came to this profession, but I, is it safe to say you assumed that that oath would be something you could impose with the help of your patients? That's exactly what I, what I feel. You know, I think that oath is, is, has two parts to it. It's two-sided. And um, what we found is that it's extremely 
difficult to take care of someone that in some situations is not allowing you to take care of them. And then the question that comes for me is, where does the empathy come from? How do we garner the empathy that we are supposed to have, that we've always had for our patients? When you come across a situation like that, which believe it or not, is not that unusual today. You feel like you've been, is it safe to say you feel like you've been exiled into some semblance of an empathy desert? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's tough because I think a, a part of us being able to do our job and maintain wellness when we do a job that is so so tough at times is the empathy that that motivates us, right? We're able to take on these challenges and push through these challenges because we have such great empathy for the people that we are providing this service for. And when that empathy goes away or uh, slips away, you know, piece by piece, it does make this job more difficult to do. And, and as you can see in healthcare, people are leaving healthcare. See nurses and physicians taking non-clinical jobs or just retiring early or doing something different altogether because people are getting burnt out. So as more bodies fall, more careers are doing the same. They're following suit. Yeah, absolutely. What are those conversations like with your colleagues? As I imagine you try to uh, convince some of your, your good friends that you've made in this business, no, don't go, please stick it out. What are those conversations like? You know, it, it used to be that, that, that way. Um, not so much anymore. Um, I, I, uh, I don't feel like um, it's really my, my role to convince someone to, to do a job where they're feeling beat down. Uh, and unappreciated. I think one thing I mentioned in this column, and actually I had a conversation with my wife about it, is that us in healthcare have found ourselves in a place that we've never been in terms of people in society actually turning on us and questioning our, our morals and our intentions. That's a really strange place to be in for a lot of us. And a lot of, a lot of people in healthcare just say it's not worth it anymore. Um, and so I'm always here for my colleagues to, you know, um, lend an ear, but but I, I don't. I wouldn't say that I would try to talk anybody out of, of moving on to something, whether it's permanently or temporarily, given what a lot of them have, have had to go through. Jabron, what did you make of death prior to any practical form of experience with your profession versus now? Yeah, you know, it's uh, anytime you lose a patient, and almost anybody who's in healthcare has experienced this. It's it's tough. Um, you do, you don't ever get used to it, but you learn to deal with it over time. But the amount of death, not myself personally, because I, I'm, you know, I'm not in the ICU, I'm, I'm not in the emergency department, but the amount of death that some of my colleagues are seeing, is just, it's in numbers that you just can't get over. You know, it's, it's daily, multiple times a day, seeing people alone taking their last breaths. I mean, just think about what that can do to your morale, what that can do to your mental health and how hard it would be to wake up, get out of bed and go face that every single day. Um, you know, the, the, I think the way a lot of us in healthcare look at death is very different uh, than what we did, you know, two years ago, just because we never expected to see death in the amount that we've been seeing it these last year and a half. That really puts it into perspective for folks who see death more than most. They are overwhelmed by the fact that in some of these preventable instances, the odds weigh in favor of failure. 
Yeah, it's that. And it, it's, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's this preventable death that, that seems, it, it, it's, it seems without reason. You know, people who you know would still be alive if they hadn't gotten caught in the middle of this disinformation epidemic and the politicization of, of, of all of this. We know that many of these people will still be alive because they would have been trusted. Um, the decisions uh, and the, the science within this vaccine and would have taken these shots. And we know that if you don't get the vaccine you're, and you get COVID, you're, you're 11 times more likely to die. So that's a lot of people who will still be here um, had they been, been, been willing to, to trust in, in healthcare and in medicine. For anybody who could see this clip, they can see that you and I are African-American. So when you see folks who look like you and I, are the chances greater of them no longer remaining with us because of misinformation out there? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, and a lot of the distrust that, that our people have for the healthcare system is earned. It's not unfounded. Uh, right, it's not at all unfounded, it is earned. Um, and it's reasonable. And, and I think it really takes, you know, people who look like me to try to mend that, that gap and, and, and mend that trust that has been lost over the, over the decades. And, and on top of that, we know that for other reasons, Blacks are more susceptible to dying from COVID when they get it. And, Why is and so, that? Um, you know, it's a, that's a, a long conversation, but, but we know just because, mainly because of social determinants of health, on average, um, you know, um, Black health is poor compared to, to other groups. And so when you have um, a group that has more chronic diseases and less access and they contract COVID, they are going to be more at risk from, from that disease. It's exacerbated. One, 100%. It makes me cringe frequently, Jabron, when people can't wait to let it fall out of their mouth. It's not always about race, Frank, but it is. And the numbers, the numbers show that. And so what was bad is now egregious in terms of who was sick. It's, it's even worse. <sighs> I think it begs the question, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, you, you know, uh, it's, that's, that's a really good point. And, and I, I do agree that it, most of the time it is about race. Um, you know, I, I feel like I have a purpose and, and um, part of that purpose is to, to fight for the people who have been forgotten. And so I think that keeps me going, that keeps me motivated. I feel like I'm doing well. I think my mental health is strong and, and I feel supported at work and at home and in the community. I think all of that helps, but I also understand that not everybody feels like that. And so I, I, do, I do worry about my colleagues in, in healthcare. I was not familiar with this, this acronym, D-Y-O-R. Is that, is that common speak in your, your profession? Yeah, it's kind of, it is part of the profession and it just has kind of uh, creeped up quite a bit during the pandemic to do your own research, you know, hey, this is what I recommend, but D-Y-O-R, do your own research. And, and once I found what people's own research actually is, uh, that is not a term that I will ever be using again, because, you know, pulling up a clip off of YouTube or looking at somebody's post on Facebook and calling it that's your research 
and using that as your reason to reject science just is, is, is unacceptable to me. It really is. Do you find that some patients really have taken solace and maybe looked at things a bit differently because of who you are? Because you mentioned that void in our community, the African-American community. So you can't really fix the problem if you're not on the inside doing your part. And you're yeah. doing that. Yeah, I think, you know, whether, whether it's, it's appropriate or not, just being a black physician carries some weight in the black community. And you can see it. I see it almost every day when I walk down the halls in the hospital and walk past a, a black family and they recognize that you're a doctor. The look that they give you is much different than you get from other people. Um, and that there is trust and there's pride there. And, you know, not to be cliche, but you, you see it when you go to the barbershop and, and they just say, hey, Jabron, what do you recommend? And you tell them something and say, all right, that's what I'm gonna do because I trust you, even people you don't know, you know? And so just having representation in healthcare can save lives. Um, there are a lot of research studies out there that, that show that black people have better health outcomes if they have a black doctor. Black babies have better health outcomes if they have a black doctor. And so it's, uh, it's important for me to, to, to be that for, for all my patients, but especially my black patients, because I know that I offer them an opportunity to trust healthcare that other physicians might not be able to offer. And, and for folks out there, it goes far beyond just being the black person with the title, right? You have to be much more than a veneer. Your voice must be heard. There must be inclusion and appreciation for what you have to say, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we can see through phony pretty quickly as a people. And, and just because you're Black doesn't mean that you are involved in the community and that you're standing up and fighting for what's right for the community. And I, and I think I do those things. And, and I, I know I can do more and I will continue to try to do more. But, but I think... Um, you know, I feel quite confident that I'm doing the best that I can for for all of my patients, but especially my black patients who have been, again, forgotten. Do you feel like time. ignorance has become endemic as it pertains to this pandemic that we're dealing with? Yeah, it has. And, I, you know, what I see is when people reject fact as it's an opinion, something that has been confirmed and people say, oh, I don't believe that. And we're in a we're in this, we're in a day and age where you can just say, hey, I don't believe in fact, you know, this whole my truth thing. There is no my truth is truth or it's not true, right? And people I say that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you you hear people say, This is my truth, or you know, truth is truth, right? It's not subjective, right? It doesn't belong to anyone. And just because you don't agree with something that has been confirmed, you can't just say, Oh, I don't believe in that. It's fact, right? And so that has gotten us in a lot of trouble because we have the facts. We know what the pandemic is now. We know how we can combat this pandemic. We know that the vaccines work, but we have people that just wanna reject that truth. And that has been proven to be a pretty dangerous notion. You said your friends in this column, uh, they've been working 24 seven. Do they have to, this is an ironic question, but it's, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest in, in this questioning. Do they have time to check on themselves and get help? A lot of them don't. And, you know, a lot, and I think it, 
healthcare and being especially physicians and nurses, it usually people who are selfless tend to gravitate to those positions. And, and those are individuals that oftentimes don't even think to check on themselves or don't even think to, you know, seek mental health care or, or look out for themselves or, and they give from an empty cup, if you will. And, and that's, that's just how a lot of us in healthcare are. I think what we are doing much better as a, an institution is learning to prioritize our own mental health. And I think that's something, there are a lot of things that I think are positive that are gonna come out of this pandemic. But one thing as it pertains to um, healthcare workers, you know, we, there's, no, there's no push for us to fall on our own sword anymore. I, we, we know that we can't take care of others if we're not taking care of ourselves. And I'm hearing so much more than I ever have heard about wellness and, and, and how to stay whole and, and, and being more than just your job and, and learning all of those things and, and prioritizing all of those things. I think it's going to be something that hopefully extends beyond the pandemic. All right, doctor. Simple as it may seem. What's the prescription for this? I think it's letting letting the people, the experts, be experts, and and trusting that they don't have any ulterior motives. You know, we don't we don't get any extra money for diagnosing the COVID related death. We don't we don't get any extra money for recommending these vaccinations. We literally want the the world to get back to normal. And I think rejecting the fact that this is a Democrat Republican thing and coming together, right? That seems real corny and cliche, but I mean, we are so separated as a society now and it's more or less along political lines because for some reason we have allowed this to, to be politicized and I'm as guilty of that as some, right? Um, but it's trying to kind of um, remove that polarizing, polarizing thoughts and rhetoric that exists and, and just letting scientists be scientists and let doctors be doctors and healthcare workers be healthcare workers and, and listen to us. Uh, we truly are concerned about the, the health of the entire community. And if we can, you know, be vaccinated, you know, social distancing, wearing masks when appropriate, all of that stuff is, is really going to help because this isn't going to go away if we can't get a get a grasp on what the right thing to do. The problem is a lot of people don't agree on what the right thing to do is. Has this left you scratching your head? It's been this difficult to get folks to get vaccinated. Now we're talking boosters. Hey, Frank, I, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I think I've gotten to the point where nothing surprises me anymore. And, and But early on, I, it just seems so obvious, right, when you when you see how dangerous COVID could be, almost everybody knows somebody who's died from it. And then as time has passed, we've gotten enough data in that shows that guess what? The one thing that works is vaccinations and they're safe and they're effective and they're free. I mean, it seems like a no brainer, right? Everybody get vaccinated, it could save your life. And then you see what happened, you know, the last few months in hospitals where you know, 95 to 97% of people who were hospitalized were unvaccinated. Almost 99% of the people that were dying in the hospital were unvaccinated. 
it just seems so obvious. But when you present that as fact, people say, oh, that's not true. That's made up. I don't believe it. I don't know what's in it. I don't trust it. And, and people are dying because of that. Well, doctor, I think that is the perfect spot to leave it. And that is, uh, that is a warning about an ominous fate that, that has, has taken many lives. I can't thank you enough for your time, for your service, and for your honesty, and for your prescription for your friends in the medical field. Make sure they're well before they try to make sure other folks are well, because then it's just a big conundrum. And I thank all of you out there for listening to us. Oh, and before I forget, Jabron, you've got a podcast. I do. I do. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, I have a, a podcast that's called Lean In with Dr. Jabron Pasha, and it is just about having difficult conversations. We talk about the stuff that we've swept under the rug for too long, whether it's criminal justice issues or um, health care disparities or even personal stories um, of, of people that I've, I've gotten to know along the way who, um, you know, find benefit in, in sharing with you all the struggles that they've gone through and, and come out on the other side. So thanks for, for that. Absolutely. Meeting. You guys be sure and check that out. And thank you all for listening. And until next time, have a good one.